there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. And we are super excited. We have been berating, haggling, stalking people on Twitter because we know they're quarantined in their house and they have nothing to do. So Andrew convinced friend of the program, Saints play-by-play guy, you know him, Zach Streif. He's nice enough to join us today. Zach, how's quarantine life? Are you surviving? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's as crazy as it is. Um, it, it's, it's had a lot of positives for us. We just had a, a baby boy. Um, he turns a month old tomorrow. And so you know, we, we've, if there's a time to be quarantined, it's, it's when you have a newborn in the house and all that time you get to spend with them. So we're, we're hanging in there. Uh, we, we, I was joking uh, on the radio last night. I was on with Christian and um, that our backyard is turning into the Redneck Riviera because we have a two-year-old as well. And we're trying to keep him entertained without him being allowed to leave. So our back room is a combination of uh, inflatable water slides and sandboxes and, and ride-on toys and uh, and we live on a golf course, so we're devaluing um, all of the property around us. Um, but other than that, things are going really well. Well, Zach, I, see you, I assume things are crazy for you because you tried to drop, hop on the podcast at the wrong time on the wrong day yesterday. I was ready to go yesterday. <laughs> I was ready I would, to go. I would give you a hard time for that, except that my six-year-old daughter has become obsessed with Nick Jonas. And so now I know lyrics to a lot of his songs and I, I don't even know what planet I'm on. So I know, I know, no, it's the, the days I don't, I've never had days run together worse on me, even training camp, which is notorious for guys getting lost, you know, in that kind of ground, groundhog day cycle of having the exact same schedule every single day. Uh, even that was not as bad as what this has been. It literally is every day is the same. So, yeah, I'm not super shocked that I messed that up. But I did fully sit around waiting to call you yesterday uh, at 1 o'clock. 
Well, you know, Zach, you said it before we started. You said Wednesday and Saturday are the exact same, and it's a great yes. like, like sports for a lot of us. It anchors us because we're like Pelicans, Spurs, Saturday at seven. Astros, Saints on the weekends, whatever. You know, it's not football season, but that sort of thing. And I have to say, I was really happy that the NFL kept going with free agency, not just because we like the content for the podcast because we do it every day, but Andrew and me, for our regular jobs, we were suffering, and we were like, we need free agency. This, the NFL cannot push this back. We need this to distract our minds from the terrible of this. So I was glad that free agency happened. Uh, you know, and the let's just start with the, the the signing that everybody is was incredibly excited about. Saints fans, and me and Andrew did a podcast. It was amazing. Emmanuel Sanders last Friday was like a gift from heaven, and I want to thank Mickey Loomis for giving us that great distraction. But your initial thoughts on that move by the Saints? Well, I know it made the fan base happy for sure. You know, that's really been uh, a position that you know it seems like for years now. Um, you know, that, that people have really wanted that, that second wide receiver option. And, you know, the saints have went about trying to find that a a lot of different ways. And none of those ways have been going out and getting a a, a name, you know, a free agent that that's a proven entity that has not really been the way they've done it. So, um, you know, the great thing about Emmanuel Sanders, I think he just fits perfectly. Um, you know, this wasn't just a case of finding a guy that people have heard of and, and getting another name on the roster. This Emmanuel Sanders game fits the Saints so well. He's an excellent route runner. He's really savvy, can still run. Um, you know, a lot of people have, have kind of, you know, mentioned the need for, you know, kind of this deep threat, the burner uh, that's been in this offense in the past. But quite honestly, the offense doesn't really function that way anymore. A guy like Emmanuel Sanders is perfect. Um, I think he could be, you know, a... a Excuse the. I hope Lance doesn't hear this, but kind of a rich man's Lance Moore. You know, I think <laughs> just a little bit more explosive, um, you know, but just as savvy of, as a route runner, really sure-handed. I think he's got like three drops over the last two seasons total. Um, so, you know, he's really going to fit in this system well. And I think more than anything, you love this. Um, I think even more so when you're a former player, but he sounds so excited to be in this offense, to be in New Orleans. This is where he wanted to be wanted to play with Sean and Drew. Um, and so I, I think uh, it's a really good fit, and I think he's going to pay some pretty big dividends for them during the year. Yeah, Ralph, make sure you tag uh, Lance Moore when we post the show. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. He's going to uh, – he's my boy too. Uh, but, no, I, I agree. I, I thought, you know, Willie Sneed kind of brought a little bit of that element to the Saints too. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what Emmanuel Sanders can do um, – I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of his tape, Zach, just from the way some of these other offenses used him. And, you know, one thing that I noticed was just in Denver, Denver wasn't as creative offensively. And then once he got into an offense in San Francisco where he had a premier offensive coordinator, you kind of started to see more wrinkles and you started to see more ways of getting him the ball that were creative. Um, I think we lost Andrew getting there the ball to, there you go. to George Kittle. Um, and then by the time you got to the postseason, they weren't throwing the ball at all. Um, so I'm curious yeah. if you think that he could actually even elevate his game in this offense. I, I don't think there's any question that this is the best offense for Emmanuel Sanders that he's ever been in. 
you know, you talk about Denver, not only is it a fairly vanilla scheme built around a good defense and a running game, they haven't had a quarterback since uh, what? Elway? No, they had Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, Manning he was good for three and a half years in Denver. Yeah, and so, you know, Emmanuel Sanders didn't really get to play in a scheme out there that worked. I think they did a good job in San Francisco with him, but ultimately they stopped throwing the football in the playoffs. Um, It wasn't even just that they weren't throwing to Emmanuel Sanders. They weren't throwing to anybody. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so, you know, this is a totally different animal for him. And not only is he in an offense that's going to take his specific skill set and really highlight it. And, and I think it's the thing Sean Payton does better than anything else in this offense is he's going he's gonna to decide what is it that this guy does the best? What, where does he really shine? And let's put him in that situation as many times as we can and keep him out of the ones that maybe he doesn't. Um, and so he's going to get an opportunity to do what he does best. And he has a quarterback that, that's engineering this offense that's going to be able to find him in those situations. So I think it's a great, it's a great fit for him. He's also surrounded by an insane amount of talent offensively. And there's just, at this point, it's how do you game plan for anything in this offense? And I can guarantee you the guy that teams are not going after from a game plan perspective is Emmanuel Sanders. So he's going to get an opportunity. um, And I think he's going to be a great fit in this offense. You know, uh, before we get to Sean Payton going stir crazy and getting on the Twitters and all that, um, where do you see this offense, Zach, if – Everybody is healthy. Where is what's its ultimate capability uh, compared to other great Saints offense that you were on twenty, you know, twenty eleven, that sort of thing? Where, where does this offense? What's the ceiling of it? I I don't think there's been a more talented offense. If you're talking pure talent level, I don't think that any Saints team has ever touched how talented this group is going to be offensively. When you really start looking top to bottom. You have, you know, you have four all-pro or Pro Bowl offensive linemen and a fifth one who is just inevitably going to be in Eric McCoy, right? You still have Drew Brees as your quarterback. Alvin Kamara, um, one of the top dual-threat running backs in football as your running back. You have a record-breaking wide receiver. You have a number two that is a number one in 15 other offenses in the NFL. And then one of the most dynamic tight ends in, in football who we watched last year rack up eight touchdowns in his last uh, nine games, who was completely on fire 
uh, late in the season for the Saints last year. And then you have this kind of anomaly in Taysom Hill that adds another wrinkle to an offense that people are already going to struggle with. And I think we're going to see him get a lot more touches this year, be more involved even than he was this year, and kind of see the development of this offense under Taysom Hill. Um, and like you said, with, with Sean going stir crazy, maybe we're learning some things. And and if you know what we're learning is true, I think we're going to see Taysom get more and more opportunities. And it, it just if you can control all of that, if you can if you can take all of those pieces and stay disciplined enough to not try to reinvent the wheel every week. But, but have your core things and be great at them and be a great executing offense, I, I don't know how people stop this group. There, there's just an answer to every problem offensively on this team. Um, you know, and, and I, if you're not excited about watching this offense this year, then you're not a big fan of offensive football. Hey, Zach, you mentioned Drew being back, and uh, I want you to settle the debate for us. Um, so there's a report out there that ESPN is potentially offering him tens of millions of dollars uh, once he retires uh, to go into the, the audio booth or, you know, the play-by-play and, or I guess not play-by-play, do color commentary. It, it, and if this report's true and if Drew's interested, and Sean Payton, is, as of today on Twitter, it, it sounds like he said maybe this, this is Drew's no, last No, Sean year. Payton did say this is his final season. We're breaking that news. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. Um, so assuming Drew's done after this year – and, and if he has interest, there's a debate on Twitter. Would Drew be any good at this? And I, I You're biased. I, I don't expect you to tell me anything other than he's going to be great at it. But the debate as it goes is that Drew can be a little bit of a company line guy, a little robotic. I mean, you can always predict what he's going to say. And I, I mean that lovingly. I, I think Drew always says the right thing. Um, but you know more than anyone. And, and one reason I knew that you would be good at this is when you're doing this, you have to have a little sarcasm. You have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to be a good storyteller. Uh, and if anyone's ever watched Zach's retirement press conference, it has all those elements. And I've never really seen that from Drew. So I think where people maybe wonder if he would be good at something like that, and you, you look at Troy Aikman. Not everyone's favorite. Uh, you look at Booger McFarlane. He's a guy that a lot of people think poorly of. Can Drew be as good at Tony Romo at this? Boy, I mean, it's it's awfully hard to say, and I certainly have even more respect for the industry now than I did a couple of years ago, having you know been a part of it. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good question, and and I don't, you know, he, here's the thing that you learn, and this was, you know, I don't know that I would have taken a color job. Um, because I didn't want to be hypercritical of everybody, um, you know, I, that didn't appeal to me. And, and to do that job correctly and well, you have to be willing, you know, to do that. And it's not in his nature uh, to be critical of people. Right. He's a really positive guy. It's genuine. It's a real thing. It's not, you know, it's not for cameras. It's how he is. Um, and, and I don't you know, I don't know um, if that's going to be a real comfortable thing for him to do, especially that quick out where you still know so many of those guys and have played against and with so many of the guys that you'll be talking about. But I do think um, that his knowledge of the game, especially currently, is good enough and strong enough to really uh, excite people. I think people would really be, you know, of, of all of the things that Tony has been good at, nothing has made him a bigger name than his ability 
to preemptively dissect what's about to happen. Right. I mean, that really has kind of grabbed the imaginations of, of football fans all over the NFL because it, it's something that people don't understand how that's possible. Right. It's like a magic trick. Um, and in reality, that is what those guys do on a play by play basis. Drew Brees has been correctly, uh, you know, guessing what a defense is going to be doing for 14 years in New Orleans. He, he knows what's coming before it happens. And I think his ability to do that um, is is better than maybe anybody to ever uh, to do color in one of these games. I think what he has been asked to do in this offense, his preparation. I don't know that there's been a guy in the booth that has a greater kind of knowledge base to, to come from to yeah. do that. So, you know, I think the balancing act for him uh, is going to be, you know, can I can I step up and criticize when that is the appropriate thing to do? You know, if Drew ended up doing this um, and and I think that will be uncomfortable for him at first. But I also think that what he's going to be able to bring to a booth, what he would be able to bring to a booth would outweigh any of those kind of uncomfortable um, you know, feelings that he has early on to be negative and critical, which I also think would subside with time. But, um, you know, I, listen, people love Tony Romo. So it's hard to say would he come in and be Tony Romo. I, I don't know who else has ever really done that that quickly, right? Has just yeah. kind of shown up on day one I mean, and just been almost universally loved. Well, that's, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, you look at Tony Romo, like you, you, you calling his being able to describe a play before it happens as sort of a magic trick. It's really true. And, you know, it's one of those things where John Madden had his thing where, like, he focused in on offensive linemen and had that sort of humor, and that was new, right? Madden using the yeah. telestrator to, to be funny and interesting, and Tony Romo has that new thing. That's a high bar. Like, to say, is Drew Brees yeah. going to be iconic uh, announcer? That's just a hard bar because you you name them out. You know, maybe Don Meredith, Madden, Romo, um, you know, and would Drew want to be measured against anything lower than that, though? Yeah. No, I, I listen. His obviously, I think you know he he has a, a level of expectation of himself that's uncomfortably high for most people, right? And so you know that would certainly be where he wanted to be. And in order to do that, to in order to do what Tony does, you have to prepare at that level. And that you know that's really my question with Drew is more about. With all of the stuff that Drew has going on, and I, I have to sit down and count, but he's involved, invested, and active in like five different companies, right? He, I don't know if you guys have watched any of his Instagram this week. He has the nicest backyard in the history of the world, <laughs> right? He has he has four kids at home. He has a, a group of boys that he just loves spending time with. He's a little girl. Uh, you know, he's got a great family who he sacrifices a lot with as a football player, a lot. Right. Spends a lot of time away from his family yeah. to do what he does. And to me, hit, Drew getting to the point where he's ready to go has more to do with the desire to have more of that than it does with him feeling like physically he's broken down. I don't think we saw him break down at all last year. I mean, the guy was unbelievable at the end of the season last year. So I think, you know, for me, in order to be that guy and to be measured to against someone like Tony, you have to be willing to turn around and spend the same amount of time preparing for that as you did to play. Yeah. So it just removes that physical aspect, which Drew Drew's is not the kind of guy who's going to say, well, I'm never going to work out again, right? He's not going to do that. And so it's going to be like, well, what really changed if he takes that job? And I don't know that he's going to be willing to do that. So 
you know, in the same way, I think Peyton is this is in the same boat. He's enjoying all the other stuff, right? He just he's enjoying having time and getting to do what he wants to do, and you know, taking kind of the opportunities that really interest him in the moment. When you take a job like that and you become Monday Night Football and you have all of that criticism all around you all the time, man, it's 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 a lot of work to do it well, and I just don't know that that's what he's looking to do. And I could be completely wrong. Um, you know, he could look at it and say, well, it's seasonal, right? It's only half the year. But but I, I don't see Drew wanting to do that the year he's done playing football. And that's interesting. You know, um, the one thing I want to talk about is, as everybody that listens to podcasts, and we're a serious football podcast. Zach, I need to talk to you about Sean Payton. He's going stir crazy. He's drawing up plays, giving away secrets, telling us that the, the, the you know, the different formations are – on based on sandwiches, Quiznos, and stuff. He's breaking Drew Brees' news. Um, how far away fr- are we from Sean Payton doing a Reddit, ask me anything, and tr- starting to grow a quarantine beard? I'm starting to get worried about Coach. Well, I mean, listen, everybody, you know, I'm in the media now, so you got to love Sean giving us any news to actually talk about, right? That's, that's much uh, appreciated right now. Um, but he's, listen, certainly he's, he's, he's got the little press conference in his pocket, right. And, uh, able to do it. Now this morning, apparently, uh, you know, kind of breaks news that, that it's Drew's last season. I, I have texted, I've reached out to Drew. I have not heard back yet. Um, I'm Drew may not even know that he said that. And I'm, I'm very just curious to find out if he did know that that was going to come out of Sean's mouth, um, which would be very telling. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> uh, if this, if none of this was planned ahead of time, um, if you get a text from but, uh, Drew, I'm dropping this. I'm dropping yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll let you guys know. But let me, uh, let me, let me, kind of cover one thing though that that you said. There are no secrets being drawn on any paper posted to Twitter. <laughs> there is not a team in the National Football League that does not run all go special. There is not one team that does not run that play exactly the same way. Maybe a slightly different formation here or there. Maybe different personnel. Nobody does not run that play. And to be quite honest with you, um, I, I don't think it's any different with Olay H. Choice either. It's, those, are, those are completely common plays. As a matter of fact, I was telling Christian last night, I think all goes special over the last 14 years. If, if somebody will let Nick Underhill do this, he seems to love to sit in front of a a TV monitor and watch film for days at a time. Uh, but I'd be willing to bet that that has been the most productive play in the saints offense over the last 14 years. I think we've gained more yards with all go special than any other play in the entire offense. Any big moment that you've seen in the last 14 years in Sean and Drew's time in new Orleans, if there's a big play needed and the saints need more than eight yards, about a 90% certainty they're running all go special. There's not a defensive coordinator in football that doesn't know that. It's a question of can you stop that play, which is why they love it so much, because it's a play that, quite honestly, when executed well, is almost impossible uh, to stop. So no secrets being given away. It's okay. Nobody has to worry about the, about, uh, you know, the coordinators you know, learning something. As a matter of fact, I saw someone say you know, the, uh, the, the coordinators are all watching. You know, they're going to see this. And he said, they've been seeing this, uh, you which break, is absolutely you break my heart, true. Zach. They all know it's coming. They can't stop it. <laughs>
I wanted the, I wanted the 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 picture was Sean Payton with like a bottle of Jack Daniels, bored and just drinking and just like I'm just gonna tweet this out. No one's paying attention. That was my that was my dream. <laughs> yeah, and you just yeah. shattered yeah. it. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom, a performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. Yeah, who, who's, who's really listening to this, right? <laughs> All right, Zach, you're an offensive lineman, so... I know you just said that there's four pro bowlers on the line and one that's on his way in McCoy, but I feel like the last two years, the offensive line is actually for me, 
to me personally, has been a little bit of a disappointment. And, and so much of it has been the atrophy, just, just guys getting banged up. And I mean, if you, I was surprised to see Andres Pete get re-signed because, and I understand, you know, based on availability and everything, and he has had some good years in New Orleans, but if you look at the playoffs especially, you know, we all want to go back to that Rams game and really pin it on one referee decision at the end. And no doubt, he throws that flag, the Saints are in the Super Bowl. So you can pin that on, on one moment, but at the same time, I felt like the offensive really poorly in that game and and similarly I, I thought they played poorly in the Minnesota game this past year and I mean obviously you had Andres Pete coming back both times from major broken bone injuries in his hand and that affected his play uh, you know there are reports out there that they were unhappy with the way Larry Warford played last year you know Tehran is always Tehran but it seems like every year he's banged up a little bit um I I feel like this off. I, I guess what I'm asking you to do is while while there are four Pro Bowlers, and we love Eric McCoy and what he represents, I do feel like this offensive line the last two years has kind of limped into the playoffs and not played their best. I'm curious if you can kind of assess for us the offensive line and if if you feel like maybe there does need to be a little bit of a re, revamp or a reshake, or if you feel like the play the pieces that are in place now are good enough to carry them through a playoff run next year? So I think there's, you know, first of all, take each season for its own, right? So I think in 2018, that offensive line got really beat up. Um, I would say about week 11 on, they they really, I don't know that they had one guy playing that wasn't injured. Yeah. Um, and Unger guys, retired. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, guys missing entire weeks of practice and showing up on game day. For a few weeks, it was both tackles, uh, you know, that that both were missing the entire week of practice showing up. Larry did that late in the season, had a knee injury, ended up having to have operated on. Talked about Andrus's injury. Max Unger was so banged up, he retired. Right. So those guys were really banged up in 2018. And, you know, unfortunately, there are years when that happens, when guys, you know, kind of have that that kind of happen. I didn't feel like that last year. I think that 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 offense. Um, was absolutely electric at the end of the season. I thought they were excellent up front. I don't think that the tackles played their best game in the Minnesota Vikings game, right? So I don't think that that, that was the best game that we've seen out of Ryan or out of Tehran, but I don't think that that was indicative of the entire season that the Saints had offensively last year. I thought the Saints uh, offensively played phenomenally, and, and, and the offense doesn't play well without the offensive line. Um, so, you know, I think they're a little bit different. I think they were disappointed in Larry early in the season last year, but I thought Larry played much better later in the season. Um, you know, Andrus coming off of an injury again, uh, you know, I, I, I thought played okay early on. And then, you know, you, again, you get banged up, you miss all that time, you come back for a playoff game. Um, it, it's, it's hard. So if there's anything in there, you say, well, you know, we need guys that aren't hurt or banged up. Um, and, and I would, I would invite you to go and find me all of the guys that are available to the saints who are playing at a higher level and don't get injured that the saints can actually pay to put on this roster. And I would also invite you to hunt down all of the offensive lines that you felt had more complete seasons last year than the saints offensive line. I think it's really easy to criticize offensive line play 
um, because you, it, and, and almost only criticize offensive line play because you just don't really talk about it when it's going well, right? You just don't. It's, it's unless you're running the ball for 200 yards a game and, and giving up no sacks, nobody really says anything about the offensive line. But if you talk about the Saints going on a, on a run with Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints offensive line was unbelievable in that five-game stretch for him. They really were. They played out of their minds for those five games, protecting Teddy, giving him all kinds of time to do, you know, what he needed to do. The running game, you know, really struggled down the stretch more so, I think, because Alvin was banged up last season. But, you know, as a whole, I thought the offensive line um, played more than well enough to be successful last season. Again, you, you hope the tackles play a little bit better, but the tackles also didn't give up 100 yards rushing in the first half defensively. Right. So there's, it's easy to point at, well, you know, Hey, these guys got sacks. Well, they were also losing the entire second half and throwing the football lot against two all pro defensive ends. And, you know, they're going to win sometimes in those situations. So, you know, I think the the re-signing of Andrus, um, you know, is, 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 has part to do with how Andrus has played. It has part to do with the fact that they didn't feel like there was any way to make this team better without him. And I think that's what's important. And when you do that and you make that decision of we're not going to let him go and get worse, especially if they knew ahead of time that this was going to be Drew's last season. Um, and and when that then when that's the case, you got to go and pay for that guy. And, you know, the top two guards in the free agency market got franchised. And I think that put Andrus to the top of the list and the Kansas City Chiefs chased that number up on the Saints. And, and ultimately, the Saints felt more comfortable having him than not having him. Well, and let me piggyback off that, Zach. Um, you look at the, the year the Falcons made the, the Super Bowl. They were the only team in the league to have every all five offensive linemen be the same and start all year. Uh, yeah. Same thing with the Rams when they made the Super Bowl two years ago. You guys uh, in 2009, and when you look at San Francisco right? this past year, they were very healthy. So, how? I mean, I remember when you were it was you were 31 or 32, and you had the best year of your career because you were just healthy that year. How, how much how much of this is really just boils down to injury luck? Well, I mean, when, when someone asks me and, and I'll start getting these questions in about three months, are they going to win the Super Bowl this year? I my answer is generally tell me who's starting the last game they played and I'll tell you if they're going to win the Super Bowl. Right. And, and you go into a year and depth is so important and all those things. But the teams that are good are, are playing in, in the playoffs with the same guys that were playing with, you know, the first game of the season. So it does play a huge role, and there's also a big difference between playing and healthy, right? In levels of health that guys are playing with. Um, you know, you take someone like Teron. Teron's not going to play 16-game seasons. He just isn't. But, you know, Teron played at a very high level, really for 15 games last year, and had a game where he was really banged up, and he played anyways, and he didn't play his best game. But that's all you can really ask for as a fan, is that you have guys willing to walk out on the field not at 100%, but knowing that they give you a better chance to win, um, you know, than, than, you, than you have without them. Um, and, and the Saints have that. And I think they really value the toughness and the grit that a lot of those guys have had up front to go on the field and play with an injury. You know, it's not easy. I mean, I did, listen, I did this for an entire season. You go and you play with something that you know and the guy next to you knows and your teammates know that you could very easily say, I can't go, right? I can't play with this. I can't play with a torn labrum. And yet every year there's a guy on that line, one of those five guys 
that has said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to do my best. And if I'm the best option, even with this injury, then I'm going to be on the field for my team. I think the Saints really value that type of a player. And, you know, at the end of the day, those guys have all done that. They've all played injured. Teron Armstead has played with more bad injuries than any player I've ever known. The guy has walked on the field with one leg numerous times and quite honestly is better on one leg, generally speaking, back of option. And, and so to have a guy that's willing to do that, I think they really value it. Um, I think it's a tough group. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, you want everyone to be healthy at the end of the season. It's very difficult to do. You know, one team is going to be happy with how their season ends every year, one team. And, and everybody else is going to feel bad about it. And, you know, last year it was the Kansas City Chiefs who felt really bad about their team in the middle of the season. Banged up, right? Weren't productive as they were the year before. Patrick Mahomes isn't the same. Offensive line's terrible. That was the message in Kansas City in week eight. That team gets healthy at the end of the year and goes on a run. Final question. Questions, then we'll let you get out of here. We haven't talked about Malcolm Jenkins. And the one thing that that Andrew made a point of, and, and we made a point of when they signed Malcolm Jenkins and they signed Emmanuel Sanders was, you know, these aren't the guys that are going to be the Saints' horses, right? That's Drew Brees, that's Kamara, that's Michael Thomas, that's Cam Jordan, it's Demario Davis. But in a playoff game where you've had three straight exits where you lose on the last play, it's just... Emmanuel Sanders and Malcolm Jenkins are the kind of guys that hopefully can tilt it in your favor. And Malcolm Jenkins, can you just talk about what you think he's going to bring to the Saints and how you think they're going to use him? Well, I, I think that the, the sign of the signing of Malcolm Jenkins. I really think has as much to do with them needing a guy back there to be the general as it does, um, you know, his level of play. And I think Malcolm's still playing at a very high level and they wouldn't have given him that much money to go back there and be a leader, right? You don't get paid that kind of money to be uh, a veteran leader in, in, in in a position group. So I think he's still playing at a very high level, but I think they also acknowledge they're going to need a guy in those big games, in those big moments, that is a coach on the field in that secondary. It's a really talented group. They really are. That secondary right now is extremely talented. With, with, what they got with C.J. Gardner-Johnson um, last year, the level that he played with, um, considering where they drafted him, was an absolute steal. But when you think back to the big moments in the season, you think back to the San Francisco 49ers being on the field, and you think back to a guy making what is quite honestly just an inexperienced mistake, you know, going to knock a ball down that he's not going to get to and not just wrapping up and making the tackle. Having a guy like Malcolm Jan- Malcolm in that room all year long, training camp, practices during the week, and on the field in those moments is going to help all of those guys become better veterans. And I think they realized that even if Malcolm was a small drop down from somebody else, he was going to elevate the entire position group. Um, and I think that's important. And, and listen, you talk about Emmanuel Sanders. It's really similar. Mike Thomas is a great football player. He's one of the hardest workers that you'll ever see. He's a great lead by example guy, but he is not someone that's going to go and bring along four rookies with him. He's, it's just not in his nature. He's so locked in on what he's doing that, that it's, you know, that's how he is. He's just so focused on his task. 
Emmanuel Sanders is going to be that veteran guy in that room. You talk about guys like Traquan Smith. You talk about guys, I think this will be really interesting, um, in, in Deontay Harris, getting to spend some time with a guy who's made a career on being a great route runner and being sure-handed and, and finding kind of nifty ways to get open. Man, what a, what a benefit to a guy like Deontay Harris, um, who I think could be really dangerous in the Saints offense. So I think those guys both are going to kind of play those roles while also being high-end players still. You know, they're both still mm-hmm. Pro Bowl caliber players, but you're getting a lot more out of those two guys um, than you're getting out of some of your other people. And, you know, as much as I felt like Vaughn was really uh, an, an ascending player, I thought Vaughn played really well last year, and I loved Vaughn. He was a great kid. Um, it made sense to me to say he's not a game changer for you, right? He's not mm-hmm. going to elevate everyone around him. He's just going to continue to be that really solid piece, whereas they felt like a guy like Malcolm Jenkins could elevate those guys in the back end of this defense. Um, and, and that's why I think they went ahead and, and made that move. And quite honestly, I think it makes sense, and I think it was the right thing to do. Final question, and we'll let you get out of here. The Saints were playing. I was watching the NFL Network replay of the Saints Colts. And by the way, yep. Pierre Thomas jumping in your arms during the interception of Tracy Porter as as yeah. Keith Mitchell goes <laughs> up and down the sideline is maybe my favorite Saints mo- moment ever. But the question I have to you is: during that game, uh, I drank an entire vanilla orange Coke and I ate 36 macaroons from Costco, the entire box. <laughs> and I do that because of the pandemic. Zach, it makes me scared, and I just say, well, I'm just going to eat this because we might all die. So I'm just going to eat this food, and I've been eating like crazy. What have you been doing in the pandemic, diet-wise or otherwise, that you normally wouldn't do, but because it's a pandemic and you're locked in, a, in your house, you're doing it? Drinking. We, <laughs> we have, you know, it, it's uh, pandemic rules are very similar to vacation rules, it feels like. like it's like totally acceptable to have a beer at 11 in the morning on a Tuesday, right? It just seems fine. Like nobody's going to judge me for it. Um, and then, you know, my wife, uh, who just spent nine months, you know, pregnant, unable to drink, um, you know, all of a sudden it's like, man, there's like an opportunity here for us to drink a bottle of wine at night. Like that's an opportunity we should be taking right now. Right. And, and, so, yeah, I, it's definitely drinking. I, I went and fortunately stocked up. I mean, I do own a brewery, so mm. it's it's helpful in moments like these to be able to run down and, like, grab, you know, five, six cases of beer um, and, and bring it home and, and say, okay, well, as a matter of fact, I'm drinking beer right now um, during, during this interview. And so, you know, it becomes kind of an appropriate part um, of your day. I think it's a big part of our Redneck Riviera in our backyard while we have all the inflatable uh, pools up and water slides that we also are drinking beer, um, you know, maybe on a Wednesday at one thirty. Yeah. Well, Texas has lifted the liquor laws. You can, when you get takeout, you can get margaritas and I got, we got a yeah. ga- gallon of margaritas with fajitas the other day. I don't think the law is ever going back. Texas people, we love it. They love it too much. They can't, we're never going back to not being able to get takeout and get liquor with it. It's, it's Listen, amazing. The, the laws of man are gone of because of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's going to be hard to take that away from us at this point, right? <laughs> Zach, okay, are, is your brewery fully closed? Are you guys doing food at all, or what, what's going um, on with the brewery? Yeah, so uh, we're still manufacturing. We're still able to manufacture. Um, beer is considered an essential manufacturing good, um, and uh, I think most of us would agree with that. 
Um, and so we are still manufacturing. The, the tasting room is completely closed down. We're not doing um, food. But what we are doing, this is a great uh, chance to kind of uh, push this a little bit just so people are aware it's out there. Um, we, we started a campaign, um, uh, POB United, and and the original idea, and this has been kind of cool, and it is Saints-related, uh, so it's good to, to talk about with you guys. Um, the idea was, hey, let's um, let's let's raise some money and let's do some meals for service industry people in New Orleans. Obviously, one of the hardest hit industries and an incredibly important industry in, in New Orleans. Um, you know, so let's uh, let's let's do some meals for service industry. You know, or really anybody that needs a meal. But we'll kind of focus on service industry, um, and we'll you know we'll we'll do a, a big a big batch of something every day and let people come pick it up for free. Yeah. And so that was the original idea and, and it made sense. And I was kind of thinking, you know, the brewery's not making, um, you know, near the money that it needs really to operate. And so it's inappropriate um, for the brewery to do that. And I said, OK, well, where, where can I go and raise some money? And so I started a group chat with every former Saints offensive lineman whose phone number I still had. Um, there's about 18 guys on there. And, you know, just kind of told them the story, I said, listen, this is what I want to do. Um, this is a great opportunity. I know everybody right now that has the means is like, man, I want to help, but sometimes you don't know how. And I, you know, the, the message to those guys was, you know, th these offensive line dinners are such, they're kind of like iconic moments in your career. Um, I think it's something that everybody misses when they leave. It's just this opportunity to spend time with your guys. And you have this, you talk about eating poorly, uh, Ralph, that's a, that's the completely different animal of poor eating. Uh, when you go to an offensive line dinner, um, and it's just kind of, you know, part of part of the tradition of being in the NFL. It's a league wide thing. And so it was like, hey, guys, you know, the, the service industry has always been so good to us, fitting us in places they shouldn't have, you know, waiters doing a great job for us and, you know, kitchens bringing out extra food. You know, you guys want to donate some money um, so that we can do these service industry meals, um, you know, out of Port Orleans. And so, again, I texted a, a few alignment about it uh, and we raised sixty thousand dollars. Wow. to start out with in, in about uh, three hours awesome. um, just on that group chat alone. Um, and uh, now and I, I do think it's important to recognize Teron Armstead um, donated $30,000 of it. Um, so a pretty huge amount of money to, to help those people out. And so starting tomorrow, um, we're going to do it. We're going to start out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday right now so that we've got ample time to make sure that we're cleaning and sanitizing at the level that we need to during this time. Um, but we're going to open it up. Uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to do about 500 meals a day um, for each one of those days. Um, certainly we'll have beer to give to people as well. Um, and people can come and just get a hot meal. Um, and then the second side of it, and this was really my, my uh, uh, the, the GM at, at Port Orleans came up with, and that is there's a lot of people who are, you know, food truck owners or pop-up restaurant tours or who don't have an opportunity to do anything right now. You know, there is no takeout for them. There is none of those, uh, you know, options. And so what we're doing is we're going to, we're going to open up our kitchen um, to those people and pay them to come in and actually cook those meals. So we'll give them all the supplies that they need. We'll buy all the product and we'll pay them to come in and actually cook it. Um, and then we'll give all that stuff away. And so it's kind of working twofold. It's a way to give people, you know, a little bit of extra cash to come in and cook some food 
um, and also kind of supporting the service industry in New Orleans, which not only has been a big deal, you know, for the, the Saints, you know, yeah. offensive linemen, but also for me as a business owner at Port Orleans, obviously the service industry is incredibly important. So um, that's what we're doing um, at Port Orleans from a food perspective. And again, starting tomorrow, it's going to be every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for now. Um, and and we're going to see how it goes. I'm calling around. I'm going to find position leaders at every position and say, hey, why don't you guys do the same thing? Raise some quick money. You know, let's 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 keep it going as long as we can and, and hopefully expand it um, so we can do it, you know, five, seven days a week. Right. Zach, how, how do we support that? How do we uh, how do we well, I'll tell you what? And I really appreciate that. You know, we 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 had had it public on the website and, um, you know, I, I I I asked them to take it down. I, I really felt like, you know, this is something that I don't want to ask. You know, other people, everyone is there's a lot of other opportunities out there for people to do this. There's actually um, I don't know if you guys know Isaac Toops. He was a, a food network or not food network. He's a top chef uh, competitor in New Orleans. He's doing a family meal. You can donate to him um, at Toops Meadery um, and they're doing a bunch of people right now. We gave a bunch of beer to them to give out. Um, but we're trying to I, I think we can handle this with with the players. And, and I want and I want to make sure that there's a lot of other groups out there. Um, that maybe don't have this incredible resource, you know, behind them with all these guys being as generous as they are. So, um, you know, really, it's just about spreading the word that it's there. Yeah. Uh, we want to make sure that people in New Orleans that that need some help, you know, and, and, and could use a hot meal um, can can come and get it. Yeah. Well, Zach, thanks for joining us, guy. You, you went way over the time that we asked you to, uh, guys. And like I said, if you are a service worker in New Orleans, head to Port Orleans. We know you guys are hurting. Zach is doing something great for you guys. So, Zach, we appreciate the time, guy. Hopefully, we have a 2020 football season. It's on time. We can get through this, and we'll talk to you down the line uh, for another great Saints football season. Sounds good, fellas. Thanks for having me. Great catching up.